Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. And welcome, internets, to another episode of Fan Bros. It's your boy, Kim Sonian, and I'm not Ben Hameen. Actually, he is not here. He is on a solo mission a la Wolverine trying to break into the Hellfire Club tonight. We are here with our very own special delivery. I'm leading the special delivery alongside with their co-pilot Chico Leo. That's like Chewbacca. That's right. That's right. Ah, Chewbacca. I guess that would be the the best way to to say that. Well, it could be that or that mousy dude in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, well, I forget that guy's name, but he it's was like, like a, me and Meep or something like right, that. It's like, yup, Yeah, exactly. So I can't remember his name. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, So, yeah, as you guys can hear, the illustrious, exotic, esoteric, and ever-elusive Chico Leo joins me in the spaceship tonight. Um, Again, special delivery. Tonight we will be covering the illustrious... Uh, I said that already, but I will use that word again. Well, Game, Game of Thrones, Thrones is illustrious, so that's uh, it's more illustrious than me. That's right. Game of Thrones, hyper illustrious, we'll call that. Uh, right. We'll cover Penny Dreadful, and we'll also cover Orphan Black. Um, these are three shows that the fan bros are really uh, digging on. I know out there everybody's checking out their own stuff, but we... Uh, are choosing these three to roll with right now, and some of this is coming to an end. Game of Thrones is almost over, so uh, this is, uh, you know, the way we're kind of going to go out with a bang by covering this. Um, anyway, tonight, let's get right into it. Tonight's episode, I mean, Chico. Uh, so the, the Mountain and the Viper. The Mountain and the Viper, title of the episode. Run it down for us, Chico. I mean, this was nothing to sneeze at. So, no, not at all. Uh this whole season, they've been their format has been they've been checking in for about two, three, four minutes with different different scenes all over Westeros and Essos, and then the last twenty minutes has been, you know, the main meat of sort of whatever is pushing things forward. You know, like last week, the last twenty minutes was in the Vale, which ended up with. Uh, you know, um, what's her face getting pushed down the down the hole, Lady and Aaron, yeah. this, th- yeah, this week ended up with uh, the face off with the mountain and the viper. Um, I think uh, a lot of Game of Thrones, um, you know, they they tell you there's going to be nudity at the beginning of every episode, <laughs> but I think a lot of Game of Thrones fans, myself included, um, to be honest, were really gratified. Um, and I don't mean this in any exploitative way, but um, I think a lot of people had imagined uh, what Melisande might have looked like while she was bathing in a stream. Yes. And uh, it was pretty uh, pretty awesome <laughs> that they, they showed that. <laughs> I, uh, you know, Grey Worm, I obviously, like everyone else has always thought was really dope, but I very much identified with him and, you know, probably for the first time in the show, wanted to switch places with him Uh and be in that stream checking her out while she was bathing. I, I completely agree. I'm glad finally we're getting to see some brown-on-brown love on the Game yeah. of Thrones. Um, it's almost like the Unsullied didn't have uh, anything else going for them. But I kind of peeped that a little bit on some of the earlier episodes. There was a little something going on. So now it's Oh, awesome. yeah. No, they've been setting that up nicely. Yeah. They're, they're the couple of the show right now. I can't name a, a single other romantic thing that I want to see happen 
more i mean I, that anyone would want to i mean you want you you're rooting for them like you're watching some john hughes drama i mean you know you want to see them get together and I, I would point out you know being a eunuch does not mean if he just got his balls cut off uh-huh. he can still get it up yeah, it's kind of so, interesting that this has been the talk uh, all last week. My coworkers and I were kind of uh, w- the unsullied. We're assuming that they kind of got rid of everything, but we were trying to, you know, define exactly what that meant. And so tonight, even that question came up on the show. I thought that right. was actually kind of funny. Um, so clearly, we found out that he is not so unsullied, uh, right? And he's got everything working intact. Lucky for him. Um, I just wanted to say, though, also, did you have something to, to, to speak about that wilding raid that kind of opened the show where the baby was saved? Um, did you? Yeah, I, 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 I mean, obviously, they I, I, I didn't expect um, I didn't expect uh, Sam's girl to get killed. But I, I, I didn't totally buy um, Egret just, you know, sort of, you know saving her or letting her live um i thought there was going to be some kind of hey i'm a wilding too type of thing and that there would have been some wilding language or code word or something because they set it up nicely where she heard the owl hooting and knew it wasn't really an owl right and that it was going to be a wilding attack and so i i just i mean again for the plot and it, it didn't really bother me but the last few times we've been seeing Egret, like, she has definitely been savage. And we saw her kill, like, you know, 15 other women, you know, right before that, you know? And so, I, I don't know. I, 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 you know, I buy it. It's fine. Um, I have probably, I only have one minor quibble with, uh, with, with this episode, and... I actually brought it up uh, a week and a half ago on the show. Uh huh. Um, this is not. I mean, this this it wasn't perfect, but I, I wouldn't call it a problem. I don't know what what, what did you think? Um, no, I, I mean, uh, you know, we got we have to hear that. St- we got to see that story play out a little stronger. I think right. they've been. You know, I mean, obviously with uh, you know Tyrion's uh, uh, trial. Um, you know, it's that that's been the main thrust of what's been happening. We're still kind right. of playing off the the echoes of Joffrey dying, which is, you know, kind of important. We do see that in Marine that, uh, you know, um, the Khaleesi is getting her stuff together and she's trying to run her lands over there. We're jumping around. We see Jon Snow and his people up north trying to hold it down, waiting for the wildlings to arrive and. You know, it's 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 just one of those things where um, there's a lot of stories in a holding pattern, and right. then um, you know we just really wanted to get to the to the juice of the matter and see what happens um, with trial through combat, trial by combat, and right. uh, basically this episode wraps that up. And well, uh, although, well, so wait, I I actually got a little nervous that they weren't going to do it because I I looked at the clock and there still were like you know ten there was only like ten minutes left. And he was still talking to Jamie in the prison. And I was like, shit, are they going to drag this out for another week? Because this was the eighth episode. And the ninth episode is the one where Game of Thrones usually really brings it. That was like the Battle of Blackwater, Ned Stark getting beheaded, the Red Wedding. Right. But I think this this season, and I thought maybe they were going to drag this out to the ninth. But I think it's going to be, you know, Mance Raider's big attack on Castle Black. Right. You know, next week. Right. Um, so my my only issue, and and again this is minor, and I had brought it up. 
I thought physically the guy they cast as the mountain like was really dope as the mountain. Right. But I just want to remind everyone he's actually Sander Clegane's older brother. Right. And this dude was clearly much younger than the actor playing Sander Clegane. Right. And I would only bring that up only because the casting on Game of Thrones has been so unbelievably magnificent. Um, We didn't see him this episode, and we'll talk more about him when it comes to Orphan Black, but I I don't think the dude playing Dario Naharis... Um, brings it. I, I I don't think he's right for that role. I actually like that actor. I liked him on Treme, and I like him on Orphan Black. But I don't I don't think he fits in with that world of Essos. Um, and it 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 just I, that that's one mi- the only real miscasting. And then the Mountain Dude I think was really dope physically, but I just wish they had found like maybe a a dude in his 40s. So both of the characters that you mentioned are are replacements. They're all the Lionels. That's correct. That They're is all true. second Lionels on the Jeffersons. So right. you know, it's right. basically you, you know, they had to find somebody to fill the the space and I think for the spectacle of trial by combat, that yes. particular yeah. mountain ten, works. ten out of ten. Yeah. Yes, yeah, totally. As the older brother of you know uh, the hound, no, he doesn't work. But for this right. fight, he works. And uh, and what a fight, huh? I mean, you know, I, me and Ben have been building on on Oberon since he showed up, and right. how much I loved Oberon and his free lifestyle and his Antonio Banderas accent, his. His puss in boots, and even Ben brings brings up the whole Montoya factor from Princess Bride. Right, right, of course. Um, and uh, you know this whole free love thing, but also he's nice with a with a sword or a spear. But you know, it's really sad that his whole head just was crushed and exploded. <laughs> it, I mean, that was I, I. I can definitely say I did not expect that. You know, I, you um, know what I did expect when he started doing this, like. Basically, Montoya speech. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, no, you that, know, that I mean, analogy is really you know, dope. I, I felt like there's something going on here, and they have a tendency to do that on this show, which is like when something goes a little too long, you know something's about to happen. Right. And uh, and clearly, you know, a quick reversal. What I didn't buy, though, is that then the mountain just dies after that? or Right. That was kind of corny to me. Um, well, he fell back. We don't actually know that he's dead. But right. he he definitely he definitely killed uh, yeah Oberon before before he died or before he collapsed. Yeah, I I thought that was crazy. I mean, you know, and I love me some Oberon too, man. I I don't know. Uh, it was one of those things where I was just like, man, this is uh, you know something. Well, I didn't expect Oberon to die because I didn't expect Tyrion to die. I mean, do you? I mean, is there a chance? I mean, I haven't read the books, and I know you haven't read the books, but. No. I mean, they're not going to kill Tyrion Lannister. Are I mean, they? who knows? I mean, Anybody can get it at any point, right? That's I kind know. Of the thing of the show. I know. I mean, I, you know, Arya could get it. I mean, That's right. this show is merciless. Right. So, one thing I want to point out is a lot of people, there's definitely been a lot of Sansa haters for a long time. I actually wasn't. I actually felt like th- this show deserved having like the stereotypical princess on it, and, and that was Sansa. But she officially became a player tonight. Like, you know, like they even had her change into that outfit. But when she told that lie, so she tells the lie 
that um, you know uh, basically saves Littlefinger Peter Baelish and becomes his ally, and she does it for political reasons and just due to her family, who she is, and it and it looks like so she if she marries Robin, she's going to be queen of the Vale. And she's right now potentially, you know, nobody knows that Bran and Rickon are alive. Like she could inherit the North. She could be one of the most powerful people in in Westeros, depending on how things turn out. That's another good thing about this show is that the power plays shift constantly. Yeah. Oh yeah. After Stannis went to the World Bank, Ben and I were thinking how much we had talked about how much you know what kind of power play he's gonna make right and you know he's been sitting on the back runner for like most of the season honestly nothing's really happened with him uh you know they tried to uh, anyway he he's just been not a power player the way he no made, not at all he was set up in the other season so you know there's a lot of preg- uh what i like to call you know pregnant possibilities with some of these storylines yes. and uh, a lot of potential you know about to jump off I, one thing i do I like the beginning of the season, the first few episodes, because they kind of, you know, we got to see some of the, the the White Walkers, and there was a lot more mysticism. I'm really into the dragons. I like when they play up the special effects stuff. So, you know, again, too much palace intrigue for me. It kind of gets really kind of boring. They, I have to say they've kept it exciting, though, this season. Yeah. The, some of the palace intrigue was, was not as dry as previous Seasons, now, what so. what did you think about uh, Jorah the Andal getting his walking papers? Yeah, I, I, it, it's what it was. You know, um, it wasn't as epic as you know. The biggest thing was the fight at the end. So I feel like oh, all these clearly. other, yeah, yeah, these other things are, and and then she let him go, and I felt like you just just cut his head off there. You know, right? Who knows? Well, you know, he saved after. her life, right? I mean, and, and you know. But still, you know, are you going to be ruthless or not? I don't know. I feel like uh, you got to be a, a thousand percent. Anyway, it was a great episode. Uh, Game of Thrones keeps it moving. You know, R.I.P. Oberyn, and he he put his best foot forward. I guess you could say. Yeah, he definitely did. He had some good moves. He had some great moves. Who knew that yeah. uh, that Darth Maul was in uh, Game of Thrones? Exactly. No exactly. Um, so let's move on to a penny dreadful, and I have right. to uh, straight out the box admit that I was unable to see the episode tonight, but I will chime in. Um, so Chico, why don't you take it away and run it down for us? Uh, Demi moaned. So Demi moaned. So I, I have to be honest. I've been pretty disappointed with the show. Oh, good. Um, let's talk about. And it so Go ahead. I, I, you know, I just want to put put that out there, and I could, we could talk about maybe why. Um, but basically, uh, how, how did the third season end up? Um, third episode, so that'd be the third episode. How did that end up? So they find the fake Renfield, uh, right. at the zoo. Well, no, he is Renfield. I mean, he is Renfield. I call him right. the fake Renfield because well, he is a him. fake, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they you, call him nothing... Fenton, so it's not Renfield. Oh, oh, is that oh, so maybe there there's issues with the rights with some of these characters. Oh, good point. Good point. I never thought of that. Yeah, that would make sense. Cause, That's a good point. Well, all right. So it starts out the, uh, in the Grand Guignol Theater, right? And they show one of those uh, one of those plays. Okay. And you know the the original Frankenstein monster is operating all the all the stuff, and it's super bloody. Um, and um, uh, what I can't remember, Vanessa Ives, who's yes. played by Eva Green. Yes. Um, she and um, Dorian Gray 
have uh, have have a meetup. They they sort of run into each other at a. Uh, some kind of flower, um, big flower uh, museum type of thing. And they have really long conversations about orchids and things like that. Um, and it's clear they have some kind of connection. Um, I mean, not romantic or anything, but there, there's some sort of something there. Um, the, uh, you know, there's stuff with, uh, you know, the, with the Timothy Dalton stuff moves forward a little bit. Um, he, with him and, and Victor Frankenstein, uh-huh. he, he tells Victor, he, at one point in the episode, he tells Victor Frankenstein that he considers him the son that he never had, although he had a son. Um, and I, I guess the, the, a couple of big things, um, so the two big things that, I mean, do you want me to tell what happened? Yeah, I mean, yeah, two, just go down to so, the, <coughs> yeah, two, two I, big things that happen are that, um, Dracula shows up. Oh, very okay. briefly, and okay. he shows up in uh, Vanessa Ives's room, um, and then there's a cross there, and he he gets freaked out and jumps out the window, and then Renfield jumps on Timothy Dalton, and then Timothy Dalton throws Renfield off himself, and because Dracula had jumped out the window, there's a jagged piece of window thing that actually his head lands on, and so he dies. Oh wow! Okay, so no more and Renfield. Then, that was quick. <laughs> then there's a, a, a scene. Uh, there's another scene at the Grand Guignol Theater um, where um, uh, what the uh, Western guy, um, you know, the Western sharpshooter. I can't remember the character's right, Josh name. Josh Hartnett. Yeah. Ethan, yeah, Josh Hartnett's character takes the Billy Piper consumptive hooker on yes. a date. Okay. And. Um, to see the Grand Guignol thing, and Dorian Gray is there alone, and Vanessa Ives is there alone. And I, I actually, one of the coolest things about the episode is we got to see the Frankenstein monster operating all the sort of steampunk special effects, like running around up top and like, you know, waving pieces of metal to do thunder, and then, you know, opening up trapdoors and secretly hooking like hoses up to the actress's leg where blood would get pumped out and and that that was actually really cool and um dorian gray and vanessa ives were there alone and then the four of them the consumptive hooker josh hartnett vanessa ives and dorian gray all meet up at the intermission and there's all kinds of weird connections there because you know dorian gray had sex with the hooker and um you know, Vanessa Ives knows both guys. Anyway, the hooker kind of freaks out and leaves. And Josh Hartnett chases after her. And then Dorian Gray comes out. And then they decide to have like a boys night out where they go to uh, one of these underground clubs. And you see, um, I don't know if people know, one of the sports, one of the illegal sports that used to exist back then was ratting where there would be a pit. And they would put like a hundred rats in the pit, and then they would put a dog in the pit, and you would bet how many rats the dog could kill in a in a period of time. Um, so they go to that, and Josh Hartnett, while watching that, it's really bloody and really gross, has like a um, you know like sort of post traumatic stress thing. 
Um, and he ends up getting into a fight with some, like, you know, stuck-up London gentleman. And then he goes back to Dorian Gray's house, and they have, like, a really, 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 really long conversation about art and all <laughs> kinds of stuff while drinking absinthe. And all then right, and then it, it ends with them kissing. They're taking each other's clothes off and kissing. Are you serious? I am serious. You, I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, joking. So, so Josh and Dorian Gray are. Yeah, are, yeah. Oh, wow. They, they, they're okay, getting so it on. Was they, okay. So, all right. Well, thanks for that recap. That was, um, that, that was, that was good. I, I get a better idea, and I'm. I apologize right. to the fan bros out there if I if I'm acting silly, but I, I didn't get a chance to see it. Um, but uh, I I did want to ask you what are your disappointments with the show overall? So I think it's. Here's the thing. I don't have a problem with pretentious when it's really good. Game of Thrones, you can argue, is pretentious, but I think it's fucking awesome. Like, I think it's a 10 out of 10. This, I think, takes itself way too seriously and just isn't as good as it thinks it is. Um, I think the pacing is really weird. I don't care about any of the characters. There's not one character in there that I that I care even one tenth as much as I care about Grey Worm or Oberyn or Melisa. You know, like these minor characters on Game of Thrones. Like I really don't. It's you know we're four episodes in, and I I I, I don't I don't care about the characters. Um, it feels like a, like a really, really pretentious, serious version of like, you know, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein or something, (laughs) you know, like, I think it's cool that the idea of putting all these, you know, these disparate monsters and stuff and, and setting it in Whitechapel, um, there is a historical issue, which maybe I, I don't even know if this bothers me that much, but like. A, like Frankenstein did not, you know, Frankenstein, like that was written like 70 years. It's almost like someone 100 years from now does a show about the Harlem Renaissance and puts Michael Jordan and Frederick Douglass in there. Like, I just feel like these things were not going on at the same time. That might be that that isn't a real issue for me, but it it is something that I kind of noticed. Um uh, there's also been a couple of other shows set during this period. I mean, you had Copper, even though it was set in New York. But you have this uh, Ripper Street, which right. is taking place exactly at the same time as uh, Penny Dreadful. But I, I, I think it's it's really this issue of just, I think it takes itself too seriously. And I can imagine if I was like a 15-year-old goth kid, like two steps away from being a school shooter... I would think it was amazing. That's not fair. Um, I'm not a 15 year old. No, I know, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not hating on anyone. I'm just giving Um, my. I I totally. I agree with everything you're saying, and and as we move forward and and follow the show, I think um, a lot of stuff will be revealed. I do have to say, I think it's a really good take on uh, classic monster um, lore, especially movie monster lore. And it's ripe for an update. Uh, Ben, um, definitely mentioned the league of extraordinary gentlemen and kind of this idea of remixing, you know, stuff that we already know. That's true. Yeah. Mashup. If you, if you think of it as a mashup, that's what I kind of said. I thought it was a really good mashup and it's pretentious because I think it's British. So it's going to kind of come off pretentious in a way, but it's to me, it's not really that pretentious. Um, in that I do love the the mysticism of it and kind of the 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 sci-fi aspects or the horror aspects that turn it 
on its head and redefine some of the genre that you know we're so accustomed to and take for granted. And I, I well, feel like that's a really strong aspect of the show. Um, the t- Two th- yeah, I just want to say two things. I want to say it definitely looks much better than Copper or Ripper Street. Like, they do an extraordinary job of making you feel like you're in London in 1870. You know, like, the sets are, are, are as good as Game of Thrones. Right. Um, I, I do give it that. Um, I think in addition to League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, one, one of the things is the um, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Coppola movie. That has some problems, but I feel like this is not that broke some ground. And I don't think this is any like this isn't breaking any ground that that didn't break. No, um, I think it's... And Tom it's, Waits' Renfield definitely kicked this guy's ass. Right, right, right. Tom Waits is over, you know, better than everybody. But right. uh, but I, I I do feel like this is for its time for now, right? Right. Coppola's Dracula's 20-something years ago. It's and, true, it's true. It, it made... It, it did what it did, and it made its impact, and it's definitely, you know, a, a good piece of film. I just feel like this, for television is really kind of telling us an interesting story within that realm. And uh, especially after uh, the torture I went through with uh, Resurrection on ABC and, uh, you know, um, the other show's uh, ending, you know, for this to pick uh, True Detective and, you know, Walking Dead and all these things. This is a good new show to pick up. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm I'm really digging it. Um, Anyway, let's keep moving and um, let's move on to Orphan Black, man. And, uh, Orphan Black, yes, this, absolutely. This episode uh, is called "Knowledge of Causes and the Secret Motion of Things," and uh, I was trying to find where that was. And forgive me, Fambros, I do not know where that title comes from, although it does sound really familiar. Um, but this episode, I did see. I'm all caught up with Orphan Black, and uh, I guess the train keeps uh, keeps on rolling, man. And again, there was one aspect to this series that I was telling Ben about, which was. You know, it doesn't have the gravitas or it doesn't have, like, the seriousness. I didn't feel the the threat of the dyad. I didn't feel the threat, really, of what's going on. Like, it, it seemed there was, like, uh, everybody feels threatened, but they, it's like they're acting. I don't feel it. I didn't see anything that really threatened. I didn't see the the, the real... Anyway... This episode, I, I, I think that, that for me. yeah, that's a, a pretty legitimate criticism. Um, I always felt the by far the strength of the show was Tatiana Maslany's performances. Right. I still to this day have to c- remind myself like this is not an exaggeration. Like that's the same actress like who I just saw playing Allison. She's that's that her good. playing Sarah. No, she's definitely that good. She's beyond. I mean, it's that it's ex- it's extraordinary. Or like when she's Helena. Like that's definitely like the show is like an 11 or a 12 like when it comes to that i do agree with you with the other stuff you're a little sometimes trying to even figure out like what's the difference between the dyad and the prometheans like where do the prometheans fit in but i thought this episode the the best thing about this episode was that um is it rachel the one who's sort of the adopted daughter of leaky like we got to see her more as as like a character right like, I she feel got like... humanized instead of just being yes. this darth vader like a uh, woman in a dark suit with right no, with no soul we got to see right. her history right 
So, so that I thought that was important for the show, and it gave Tatiana Maslany even sort of more to do with with that role. Um, you know, Le- Leaky getting killed by Donnie was sort of a really weird. I thought that was a weird choice, um, and it, it is too bad. I, I I'm a huge Matt Fuhrer fan, um, but I guess they're going to replace him with Michelle Forbes. Who you know, uh, Star Trek Next Generation fans will remember as Ensign Laren Rowe, and Battlestar Galactica fans will remember as uh, the commander of the Pegasus, and I guess the Killing fans will remember as uh, the mom. <laughs> She's all over the uh, place, but I, I, yeah, I mean, she. You know, we we did cut to the chase with just running down the episode, and that Leaky gets his head blown off accidentally. Um, right, by Donnie. By Donnie out of all the, you know. Which, right. Okay, so a couple of things happened this episode. Uh, we all thought Donnie was a monitor planted by the dyad, and instead we find out that he was part of an experiment. So, you know, that two degrees difference. He realizes that his wife is a clone. She thought he was a monitor all along. Allison and Sarah are in the same uh, rehab center. Uh, they they play a little I guess I would say Abbott and Costello, since you brought them up earlier in the episode. It was a little kind of uh, role reversal and comedy. Well, they've done that a couple of times where, like, one clone has to pretend to be another. Right. And, I, I mean, I like it. I mean, it's it's literally her, you know, it's, it's Tatiana Maslov playing... You know, Sarah playing Allison, or you and, know, and right, in the right, past, right. So it was, was the other way it around. Was, it was sub. It was meta cloning. It was yeah. Like, it was like yeah. How many layers? It was in. It was uh. Orphan and they Black don't do Inception. it too much. Right. Like they could, the show could really rely on that. And right. It could get stale, but right. they they've they've only done it a couple of times. Um, um, I thought the episode overall was really good. Um, and we're moving ahead with certain storylines again. I mean, the fact that Leaky. Is just shot at the end, and right. he's completely, you know, out of the story. That definitely gives a big turn because a lot of things were pointing to him as the root cause um, of of kind of things going off kilter. Um, but now that um, the Birdman is introduced, you know, um, basically Rachel's dad, right, um, Ethan Duncan. It's it's going to be interesting to see what kind of role he plays. Well, also, the Michelle Forbes character is clearly higher than Leaky in the dyad. Right. Right? I right. mean, she she sort of appro- she tells Rachel to execute him. Right. So there, that now we've been introduced like the way that you just thought Darth Vader was the top, and then you find out there's an emperor right. above him. There's levels um, to this. Exactly. Exactly. Now, they also could, I mean, Donnie's driving around like the dudes in Pulp Fiction, except Donnie doesn't have a wolf to call. I mean, he's in a car filled with, you know, with blood all over the windows. So they could actually, you know, we could find out he's been arrested or or they could continue to use him, you know, as, as a character, as a foil for Allison. Um, my one question is, what do you think of Cal, the dude who plays uh, Dario Naharis in... Uh, in Game of Thrones, like I'm not. I'm, do you think he is he? I mean, there's clearly more to him than we know, right? So, so there's a couple of things. Like every episode, I'm thinking he's somebody else, right? Um, and so, since we've seen the gun and the camper two episodes ago, right? Taking care of Kira, I'm feeling like okay, he's Dyad. Then I'm like, no, he's not. He's 
he's somebody else. And then he's, oh, is he, you know, I, I don't know. And I'm kind of at this point, I'm just kind of stepping back and I, I'll let right. the, I'll let the show guide me instead of me kind of overthinking that. Um, I thought he had a bigger role and then they kind of sidestep him for this whole Allison situation. I don't know. I thought, um, uh, it's kind of unbalanced. I'm going to wait that one out until, until they kind of reveal it. I've learned not to go in too deep with some of these shows when there's like 80 characters going on. Right. And they have so well, much I, to choose from. I think he is definitely Kira's father. That I definitely think right, is right. true. Right, right. No, I mean, but I've, I'm I'm talking more from the vantage point of, okay, do I need to care? How much do I need right. to care about him? Because if right. I'm caring about Leaky and then all of a sudden they're going to shoot him at the end of the episode, right. then I'm like, oh, wait a second. Who are they going to do? Again, it's the Game of Thrones syndrome where everybody's expendable to make a good show. And I mean... To be honest, that's what makes a good show is if you oh, without a doubt. kill off without some a doubt. major characters and, you know, the stories change. So, um, yeah, I thought, again, overall good episode. Uh, you know, her performances are incredible. I don't know how she doesn't win an Emmy, like, every season. And I do think that this season of Orphan Black has stepped up majorly over last season. Um, you know, there's a couple of storylines, Cosima being more and more sick, and then the reverse of her girlfriend you know using her as an experiment and you know that that was pretty up there i kind of saw that coming uh that that's not i'm not really into cosima i do want to pose a question to you uh that i posed to ben last week uh do you know the game f marry kill right right yes i do who who'd you f marry or kill out of the clones out of the clones that's actually a great question um so we're we're going with Helena, Rachel, Kazima, yeah. um, Kazima, um, Sarah, and Allison, right? right? Right, exactly. Okay, so I actually would probably marry Kazima. Okay, um, even though she doesn't like men. Uh, well, I mean, I'm assuming that you know that that I don't know. Well, you know, she I don't know. I mean, that's a no. big assumption, I mean, Chico. That's a big assumption. I, I know. I mean, I, I guess I was assuming that wasn't you know a. I thought we were just. I mean, so she said. Then should I take her out? I it's guess up to I'm, you. It's up to you. Based on what you know about the characters, we don't have to spend right. all night on this, Chico. Um, I'm gonna go with kill um, Rachel. And I'm actually going to go with, uh, I'm going to fuck Allison because I bet she's actually a tigress in bed. I think you and Ben said the same thing. So uh, Right. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you and Ben both chose Allison as the, right. the first one. Well, all right. Um, so good. We wrapped that one up. Um, thanks a lot, uh, Chico, for joining us tonight. Of uh, course. This has been awesome. Hope to have you back soon again. Um, this has been the special delivery your weekly wrap-up with the fan bros, all hot TV. Um, and uh, we will see you again uh, next week. Take care. All right, later. I'm still recording. <laughs>